the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. Learn about the most current IT security threats in ransomware, phishing, business email compromise, cybercrime tactics, cyber heist schemes, social engineering scams, as well as hints and tips from leading professionals to help you prevent hackers from penetrating your network and dropping ransomware or malware payloads. This podcast will arm you with the best info to defend your network against the latest cyber crimes. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, here's your host, Craig Petronella. All right. Well, today, welcome, Len Rio. Um, tell us about yourself, Len. Thank you, Craig. So, yeah, I'm uh, Len Rio, president here at the Ativo. Founded the company about uh, 25 years ago after a... Uh, a a career of about 10 or 15 years in, in uh, manufacturing, mostly in um, director of finance and like cost accounting manager roles. And I fell in love with, with systems projects. Um, and in particular, how a company's uh, profitability can be significantly affected by managing information well. Um, my observation is, is that, especially in the United States, that we do a great job of automating you know, facilities with conveyors and all kinds of automated equipment, but yet we, we manage our information flow nowhere near as effectively as our materials flow. It's almost like a stepchild. And un unfortunately, um, with, the, with the, the digital transformation um, really taking hold and accelerated by the pandemic, and you know the need to be remote, um, those kinds of business processes are really holding industry back. Um, and, and that's just an area that is so easy to remedy. So Craig, I'd like to maybe uh, you know talk a little bit about like a you know just a, a case study to share with you what we who we work with and and you know how we help them. Absolutely, please. Sure. So, you know, at at the core, we we provide accounting and ERP solutions. ERP being, you know, the logical predecessor to a basic accounting system like QuickBooks. The difference between accounting systems and ERP is that the ERP system ties together all elements of information flow within an organization. Um, in one unified system rather than the traditional islands of automation or silos that live in, you know, Craig's spreadsheet or Lens system or, you know, it's in QuickBooks, but it hasn't been updated yet and all of those kinds of, of problems. Um, ERP systems are typically real-time and can become very, very much real-time through barcode data collection, um, when when any kind of inventory moves, some kind of a scan takes place, much like we see with, with UPS and FedEx, they know exactly when everything has moved from one hand to the next. So we work with smaller uh, businesses, typically manufacturers and distributors, um, some service companies who do 
repairs, installations, that kind of work. And by small, I mean $2 million to $50 million in revenue. Most of those companies are just starting their journey to move from a basic accounting information system to an ERP system. Um, those are perfect customers for us, um, especially if it's a manufacturing company, for instance, that's in what I call a complex industry, one that has a lot of compliance requirements. Uh, maybe it's a food manufacturer that has USDA requirements or a medical device manufacturer that's governed by the FDA and their regulations. Um, anyone with a high degree of quality management, quality control, um, and traceability of materials is usually the real, the real cam, the, 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 the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, so in, in the food industry, you know, the farm to table traceability is incredibly important. It has become far much, uh, much more uh, important. There's been a lot of, um, a lot more recalls since 2017 when some more stringent requirements went into place. Um, and the, the existence of allergens or different kinds of contaminants like um, any kind of manufacturing that is guaranteed to be free of any kind of nuts, peanuts, you know, tree nuts of any kind. Um, there's an incredible amount of, of oversight to make sure that that product is truly what it says. So the lot numbers and the batch control through the, the commodity receipt to the, pro the production, to the, to the transit, to the retail locations, all of that has to be tied together. And the only way to do that is with a warehouse management system, one that can actually make the transactions at every single move like UPS and FedEx does. So these are the kind of problems that we love to solve because invariably there's a real business case. It, there's there's you know, money to be saved by taking these initiatives or compliance that will you know keep the company in business and not be forced to recall every product they they possibly ever produced in the last two years because you can't prove that it's not otherwise. Um, or um, in many cases, um, revenue enhancement opportunities. Um, a good example of this, a good case study is we recently finished implementation of SAP Business One with a, a small pet food manufacturing company. A lot of the product was sold on an e-commerce website and their production manager had to come in at four o'clock in the morning to key enter all of those orders that were emailed to them, taking about two and a half hours a day wow. out of his time at a very early hour of the morning. Um, that's an incredible waste of talent to have to, to have a missing link in terms of the integration of information flow. We all know when we jump on Amazon and we make an order, we 
we immediately get an order acknowledgement. Um, these are the kind of things that we're that are non-negotiable. So these are some of the kinds of things we do. There's all of the basic blocking and tackling, like the accounting and the inventory control. But when it comes to traceability, um, planning by virtue of um, a system knowing sales history, as well as open orders, as well as on-hand inventory to generate a material plan. Um, these things save hours um, and really help a company optimize inventory levels um, so that they maximize customer service um, and eliminate you know, stock outages that in many cases can stop the presses. So um, a lot of satisfaction in moving a company from a state of islands of automation to an integrated system to you know, a lot of tools of automation allowing them to leverage what are best practices essentially. Great, thank you for explaining that and going into that depth and detail. Is it fair to say that you specialize in working with manufacturing companies or um, physical widgets? opposed to digital widgets, or, or is that in, incorrect? That's a very good question. Um, most of the time when we think of inventory, it's, it's, it's a physical object um, requiring logistics to move it. But there's really no difference in digital um, commodities, if you want to think about it that way. They, we still have to produce them. We still have to store them. Uh, then we still have to deliver them and we still have to charge for them. So it's kind of the same cycle, except no truck had to back up right. uh, in order to move the product. Okay. So your software could support that though, right? Is that... Absolutely. Okay, cool. So kind of like you were mentioning Amazon. So, you know, maybe Amazon with their Kindle service, for example, you know, digital books delivery, right? They have the system that deliver, you know, sells the book on the e-commerce site. You buy the book, it delivers the book to their Kindle or their device or their app. Um, so your products tracks that whole journey and helps with the automation. Is that right? Or all of it? Correct. Okay. Uh, because behind the scenes, there's also, there's typically a serial number associated with that particular copy that, you know, Greg Petronella purchased versus the one that I purchased. Um, because I can't hand it to you, um, it, it, the serial numbers wouldn't match. We don't even see that, but it's behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, right. In most cases. So does your software help the company auto-generate that? Is there an algorithm or do they need another component to do that piece of it if they don't have that? Well, you know, the interesting thing is that the the the, 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 new, the newer systems... Um, like SAP Business One, are designed to support the Internet of Things, right? Mm -hmm. So the order entry system within the ERP um, would automate, you know, automate the pro and trigger the request to the digital automation device that right. creates a serial number and makes it available for download to you. Got um, it. And then once that's completed, another signal can be sent back to the ERP system saying, 
this transaction has been completed here, record this. You know, Craig is now a customer of ours. And um, and then maybe even some automated marketing can swing into motion and start sending you. Customers also ordered this when they right. ordered what you ordered. Cool. So you mentioned QuickBooks before. Obviously, QuickBooks is popular, you know, made by Intuit. Accounting level 101, you know, the, the most basic version. I started on QuickBooks. I still use QuickBooks online myself. Um, you mentioned a couple of areas that where a company might transition to a full ERP system like what you have. Um, I'm also curious to know, you know, a lot of new businesses, especially ramping up after COVID, for example, are adopting things like Shopify, you know, so how does your system, like if they're on Shopify, do they move to your system or do they keep Shopify and also use your, how does that work? Yeah. So the um, ERP systems in general, including SAP, um, don't try to do everything. Okay. They recognize that, you know, Shopify and WooCommerce and Magento and and all the other great shopping cart platforms do a, a, a wonderful job of what they do. Same thing with, with shipping, certain CRM systems and so forth. Um, so the logical thing to do is create a native integration so that, like, for example, with Shopify, um, customer data can be exchanged between the two systems, item information, inventory availability, pricing schemes, all of that, so that when an order is entered, everything is passed over in real time to the ERP system. So that's how SAP has handled it is through their, um, they have an intercompany and um, um, uh, integration hub, as they call it, that connects to many, many popular kinds of things like e-commerce. Gotcha. So does your company resell the SAP One product or is it in replacement of that product? No, um, we we are resellers uh, for um, SAP. And in particular, their SAP Business One product, along with a couple of other products that they work with, plus, a number of other common, I'll call them third-party add-ons mm-hmm. that customers often request, like I said, shipping systems and, and such, so that we can deliver what we refer to as a TiVo all-in-one, which is powered by SAP Business One, but includes any other software application that's required, uh, the integration thereof, the implementation and training for it, and we do that all as a um, at a subscription price, very you know low cost. People think that ERP is pretty expensive, but um, just a ten user system of SAP Business One costs less than fifteen hundred dollars a month. And the truth is, comparing that eighteen thousand dollars a year to the whatever you're going to pay for QuickBooks plus the add-ons that you might need um, is there's a very, very high return on investment from the the automation of tasks that are now eliminated because, well, they're automated within the system. We don't have to do another Excel spreadsheet and we don't have to re-enter this. Um, 
Um, so it replaces a lot of manual processes. So, okay. Very so so streamlining that double data entry is what you're... Okay, sorry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we do it with a... And, it, and Craig, just to, to, you know, it turns out after doing this for 20 plus years, um, I recognize that when, you know, our customers are really depend on us to provide the kind of technology leadership that is is required. I mean, it just changes so fast, even we have difficulty keeping up. And some of those customers have been around for 20 years. And so with the advent of subscription pricing and, and, they, and then providing just a, a fixed affordable implementation fee, if we invest a little bit in that company as we're doing that implementation and, and then earning a little bit every, every month, keeping in touch with the customer, the long-term value of that customer is much higher than it used to be when you had to buy ERP software as a great big capital project up front, a big time and materials implementation. Um, so the customer benefits, you know, we benefit, um, uh, it, it's just a win-win situation with the way you know software is being sold and our mindset of customer success now. So I'm uh, awesome. I'm enjoying our our uh, our, our work <laughs> a lot better. I don't have to worry about oh we're going to close that next deal to you know <laughs> make payroll this month or it's like that's off the table now. That's great. So is it accurate to say that your team? helps create this single pane of glass for financials and ERP. So, so you, you have an implementation team that, that helps, helps connect things together, maybe via API or native integration. Um, because like you said, maybe they're using Shopify or these other technologies or software as a service solutions like a CRM. And, and you help kind of connect it all together from a financial perspective, if there's financials to be gained from there. Um, or taken from those systems and streamlining workflows and eliminating double data entry or manual labor. Is that fair? Well said. And, you know, the, when, when we start an implementation with, with a, a new customer, we'll do a thorough assessment of all of their business processes. Um, you know, in, in each functional area of the business, there's 20 to 25 questions that we have to ask and whatever else they might come up with to find out how they're doing, whatever it is they're doing, what issues arise as a result of that process. And then we essentially brainstorm with them to come up with the process improvement initiative. Well, after five or 600 questions about how a business is operating, chances are we've got about 150 to <laughs> 150 plus process improvement initiatives, all with, you know, some urgency and, and priority. Um, so our first, our, you know, our go live milestone, our first milestone in the, in the project usually has maybe a third of those included. Um, the reason is, I mean, the customer usually has to produce product and ship, ship stuff to make, make sure. payroll. And, um, the other thing is, it's just it's it's just too much technology to assimilate all at once. So, 
there's always a, a phase two, phase three, phase four, phase five. By that time, you know, new business requirements come down the pike and, and we're just reprioritizing and, and moving along a path of continuous improvement. And I bet in this process in working with a lot of folks over the past 20 years, you probably have a nice portfolio and library of common solutions that maybe can adapt and, you know, be customized for new customers. Oh, sure. Uh, there's, in your staff meetings, you'll, you'll hear a lot of that. Hey, just like we did for customer A, right. what we need to do for customer B is something similar, except, and, and yeah, I mean, we've got a, a pretty seasoned team um, of about 20 individuals. Uh, very, very smart people, and it, it's really fun to be working around them to to do the problem solving and and uh, uh, make a big difference. That's awesome. So I I could see you as a great accelerator and catalyst to help a business improve. Well, first assess what they have, and then improve their processes and workflow. Eliminate as much labor as possible, manual entry, automate as much as possible, and and just make kind of more. The goal being a, a much better, well-oiled machine. Precisely. We are enablers, business enablers, if you want to think about it that way. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, there's one customer I'm thinking of right now that we started working with in 2014. And they had a they had 25 users. Um, we're, not, we're now skimming past 340 users. Wow. In in three Great. different countries, uh, five different countries, excuse me. That's awesome. So, Congrats. Yeah, they 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 keep us hopping. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. awesome. So um anything else that um people that are kind of like like you said before, in the QuickBooks world or in Peachtree or in a, a traditional accounting system, what what are some questions that you would um kind of ask them so that they know, okay, this is the right next step for me. This is when I should, this is when I should plan this and make this transition. Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, uh, first of all, anybody that starts, you know, skipping by two, $3 million a year in revenue needs to start thinking about an ERP system, but the ones that find that um, have some unique requirements such as, all of a sudden they're doing business in multiple countries and they need to deal with multiple currencies mm. um, or they're open up, opening up a second location or sending inventory to uh, some kind of a consignment location. And now we have to keep track of inventory in multiple locations or within a given location, the facility is so large that we have to assign bins and we need to know where we put that stuff. Um, and then certainly when you know, serial numbers and, you know, lot and batch numbers uh, come into play. Um, that's usually the, the, the time that you, you've got to hop. Otherwise, you need, you know, a duplicate inventory system. It has to be maintained outside of QuickBooks. Um, and it's either going to be in Excel or it's going to be in some expensive add-on that does some synchronization. Um, so that's the time rather than just saying, oh, what can we add on to QuickBooks? It is not as hard to get into an ERP system as it used to be. It's very easy um, uh, to do that. I mean, it's affordable. It's definitely affordable. Yeah, it sounds like it's a no-brainer. So 
Are there any um, verticals that are just not a good fit? Like, is there any disqualifiers? For our company, um, we, we, we do not work with, say, government entities, um, nonprofits, um, the kinds of, of industries that, are, that have different accounting kind of requirements, like the two that I mentioned. Um, and then there are some, some verticals, like the, the garment industry. Um, it might be um, certain kinds of chemicals, that that have unique vertical ERP solutions that have been designed for their unique processing. We're more, you know, general manufacturing and wholesale distribution. Um, but, and that's what most of the most popular ERP solutions um, will support. But there's nothing wrong with those vertical solutions either. Um, that's the right place for them to be. Okay, excellent information. Um, any case studies or anything that you'd like to share um, with the audience on? Yeah, this, uh, one of my favorites is um, um, a large um, seafood um, importer and distribution company headquartered in Los Angeles. Um, we had, well, first of all, they were using, um, they, 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 bought a brand new facility and put in a giant freezer um, at 8,000 pallet positions in it. They're an importer. So they, they have fish coming in from all over the world, you know, tilapia from Vietnam and uh, crazy places. And you say, wow, that's a long way for a fish to come. But it comes in on a on a on a the, the, the floor of a trailer and then it immediately gets palletized. Um, and at the time that it's palletized, we're, we're scanning in the information regarding what's on that pallet. So, you know, the item number that carries the description, obviously, the, um, the lot number, uh, the expiration date of the product or the best buy date in food speak, and then the country of origin, because certain retailers will not take tilapia from Vietnam, but they will take it from China. And so, um, all of those factors have to be, you know, tracked within the system. Then be, with the logic that we built into the warehouse management system, it knows where to put that, that pallet, where the open spots are in relation to similar kind of product so that it can get close to its, its cousins that came in last week. Oh, nice. Uh, so, so like optimized workflow. Correct. And then on the way out, you know, because of the because they're they're shipping nationwide, um, certain product has to have more uh, shelf life if it's going to go to say New England than if it's just going to go to Torrance, California. So we needed to identify by by customer the the shelf life. And, and obviously the preference regarding country of origin in order to recommend what pallets to, to ship when it came time to pick that product and ship it to them. Interesting. So that's very interesting. That's a great, a great uh, little <laughs> completion of that. One of, the, one of the most difficult things in that project was finding um, the handheld scanners 
that would actually operate in a freezer that where it was minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> because it's electronic equipment. If it's right. going in and out of a freezer, if it isn't protected properly, it would, you know, you get condensation inside the scanner and within a couple of months, you know, a $2,500 scanner would be worthless. Right. So um, was it Westinghouse? Um, I forget the name of the, the brand, but one of one of the, the, the brands that we found actually has a heater built into the scanner so that, it, <laughs> you know, it eliminates any condensation buildup. Wow. That, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. They're, they're fun projects. Yeah, it sounds like it. That that, that one in particular, too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a pretty large customer. I mean, they, they need a high degree of automation. Um, and if we have, do we have another minute? Because I can tell you another story. Yeah, about I'd, I'd like time. you to talk more about the automation and, and the workflows, too, because um, I'm curious on that side of 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 the um the setup like is that something that you guys do on your side or is it or can the customer roll their sleeves up too and create automations or how does that work well there has to be you know members of the customer team you know working with our team so we're handling the the technology side of the equation um they're proving out and doing the system testing i got you you know the process flow that has been designed makes sense and all the data is right in order to support it. Um, but the the second project involving scanning had to do with all of the the <clears throat> the, the um, grocery store fulfillment um, that is typically done by the by the carton. So a, a grocery store order might have required two cartons of salmon, you know, three cartons of uh, Alaskan king crab. Um, uh, you know, a pallet of something that's going on special. Um, and so they wind up with six, seven pallets of product. And they were working from paper-based pick tickets, sometimes three and four pages. Um, and when picking that product, they were actually writing the lot number and the expiration date with gloves on, mind you, <laughs> um, and the country of origin. And that paperwork was being rushed into the office where there were three accounting clerks actually keying in all of the, you know, the quantity they found and the lot number and the this and the that. And because it's handwriting and, you, and you, you know, you're dealing with warehouse folks, these probably don't have the best penmanship in the world and they have gloves on. Um, they Sometimes the lot number wasn't there. And so because the truck is now waiting and it's running, um, they just do an inventory adjustment to bring on that 10 cases of salmon with that erroneous lot number and ship it because they had to have paperwork to go with the truck. Right. The next day, someone would have to come in and figure out, well, what lot number do they really want to do? Undo that 10 cases that they put into inventory to, and then basically issue out the right one. So, We've eliminated two out of three order entry clerks with scanners because they're just scanning the product onto the onto the pallet. So they're picking faster. They eliminated all those errors. Um, it, it just was a phenomenal process improvement. That's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Len. I appreciate it. Is there anything else that you'd like to go over? This has been really cool. Now, just, you know, just keep us in mind when you see a, a customer that has a lot of paper in their offices um, or they have, you know, the typical 42 spreadsheets, it's, it's time for us to have a conversation and uh, see if there's a business case and, and um, move them to make their, help them make their digital transformation. Awesome. So how do they reach you? How do they contact you? Well, our, um, there's always our website, um, ativoconsulting.com, um, or just by emailing me, len at ativoconsulting.com. Um, you might see us in, on LinkedIn quite a bit or on Facebook. Um, but um, anyone in provisors probably knows who I am. So of any of you who know some really fine folks like Craig, um, that they can also refer you as well. Awesome. Well, thanks, Len. I really appreciate it. This has been cool. Yeah, Craig, thank you very much for having me. I, I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. For other episodes and more information, visit PetronellaTech.com. Also visit our other websites, ComplianceArmor.com and BlockchainSecurity.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and stay secure.